All right, I love you. Are we in Genesis chapter 11 now? Why don't we get the blood pumping? Why don't you stand up with me this morning? We'll do something different. And then we'll all take a seat together. How about that? <laughs> Genesis 11. Verse 1 says, And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city, and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they will begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. And there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor Larry Allen, would you ask God's blessing upon the reading and teaching of the word? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage in our Old Testament. And we thank you, Lord, for the lesson that it teaches to us. The first slide we're going to look at here is going to, uh, let's go to the next one here. There we go. Four major events in uh, Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, creation of the world. This is how God intended things to be. You know, people say, well, if, God, if there's God in heaven, why are things so messed up? My answer to that is that's not the way God started it. When God created everything, it was perfect. There was no sickness, no disease. No immorality, no suffering, no natural disasters. It was a perfect world. But then the next big event happened in Genesis 3, which is the fall of man. And we've been dealing with that, the consequences of that ever since, have we not? Next event is the flood. We've dealt with that in several weeks. Um, we looked at the, the Noah's flood. It was a literal, universal deluge. And then today we're going to look at the Tower of Babel, which is the origin uh, of languages. Let's go to the next slide. I don't have a bunch of slides this morning, so don't get nervous. Just got a few. Um, you've seen these scriptures before. Um, Genesis 10, the table of nations. Some of you uh, suffered with me, through, suffered uh, with that with me a few Wednesday nights ago. Uh, we went through the table of nations. Genesis 11 actually happened before Genesis 10, so they're not chronological. Um, Genesis 11 happened first. Uh, Genesis 10 shows us the effect. Genesis 11 shows us the why, the cause of it. And God's intention for man, uh, let's, let's do a little pop quiz here, be a little interactive. When, when Noah and his family came off the ark, God told him to do two things. Does anybody remember? Be fruitful and multiply. That's number one. I guess you could say that's two things. Uh, and what was the next thing he said to him? Fill the earth. He told him, to, now the King James says replenish, but, it, but it's literally to fill the earth is what they were supposed to do. Did they do that? Genesis 11 is going to tell us that they did not do that. 
Instead, they decided they were going to huddle together in one place, in one city. And, uh, you know, you can look at things even in the natural. You know, most of your crime, where does it happen? Big cities where everybody's congregated together. And those cities, not always, but typically tend to be anti-God. And that's why I'm thankful that the founding fathers set up the electoral college the way that they did. And I'm not going to get real political here, but it, but it keeps these large people groups in large cities who are mostly dominated by wicked thoughts and satanic ideology for determining the whole course of the country. And so uh, founding fathers were wise in, in, that, uh, in what they did setting up the electoral college. But God is not a globalist. Okay? He's not. And uh, say what you want to about Donald Trump. I know people love him or hate him. But one of the reasons that people hate him so much is because he's not a globalist. Okay? Uh, a lot of our leadership, they want us to be just like all the other nations. Okay? We're Marxism. I, I read a book this week, and I, I tend to do that every once in a while. I'll just read, read a book to try to stay up on what's happening in the world. I read a book by David Jeremiah this week. I'm almost finished with it. And he talked about, the title of it is, Where Do We Go From Here? And uh, you can see in our country, we are trending heavily toward Marxism, socialism, cancel culture, uh, anti-God, trying to remove God from every corner and segment of society. And the results are disastrous. All you have to do is go to any of these countries that practice socialism and see what happens. They turn into a cesspool. Just look at Venezuela. If you want a case study in socialism and Marxism, look at Venezuela. And I'll rest my case about that. But um, back to Genesis 11. The whole earth was of one language and one speech. Now, the Hebrew says they were of one lip and they used the same words. So they had the same language, but they also had the same vocabulary. And, and this is important, and I laugh sometimes because most of us in here speak English, don't we? <laughs> or we try to. We try to. But we don't all have the same vocabulary. And I worked with a gentleman, a good, dear friend of mine. He was from Pennsylvania named Frank Gruber. I don't know if he's still alive or not. We worked together 20 years ago. And Frank was from Pennsylvania. He got the biggest kick out of our southern idioms. He got a biggest kick out of it. Uh, y'all too. <laughs> and uh, I would say, Frank, I'm fixing to go home. And you all know what fixing. Fixing, by the way, has no G on the end of it here in the South. It's just fixing. And I said, Frank, I'm fixing to go home. He said, what are you going to fix when you get home? You're plumbing? You got a plumbing issue? Like, no, it means I'm getting ready to go home, right? I'm fixing to go home. And, and he got the biggest kick out of that. And another thing he got a kick out of is the phrase, coming up a cloud. <laughs> and so if, so if I say it's coming up a cloud, what am I saying to you? That I anticipate some precipitation. <laughs> right? I'm expecting it's going to rain. And so sometimes I'd really mess with Frank, and I'd say, Frank, it's fixing to come up a cloud. <laughs> and he eventually figured it out. You know. 
and we laugh about that. But, uh, but <laughs> and I worked in a call center, and uh, and I was a supervisor in the call center, and that that just mean that, that they had already cussed out the first person before they cussed me out. That's all that meant. And uh, and I talked to people from all over the country, and I can pretty much tell you where you live based on your dialect. And I remember this one guy, he was just, ah, oh, yeah, 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 just those old people down there, you guys just talk so funny down there. <laughs> I said, oh, the irony. We, we talk so funny. But we do talk slow, don't we? And we can laugh at ourselves. We can laugh at ourselves. It's okay. But the whole earth was of one language and one speech. Let's go to the next slide, Will. I am persuaded that that language that they spoke in the first uh, uh, millennium of history was Hebrew because all the names in the Bible up to Genesis 11 are Hebraic names and there's a lot of wordplay there and it makes no sense unless they're spoken in Hebrew uh, all, even like Adam and Eve's name all those names in Genesis 5 they all mean some, certain things you know and so I believe that Hebrew was the, uh, the language that they spoke and I, I believe that that's the language we'll speak in the millennium I've got a scripture up here Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, because I know you read in Zephaniah all the time. So I, I, but, but I put it on the PowerPoint anyway, because I know you'd have no trouble finding it. Uh, Zephaniah 3, 9, God says, For then will I return to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord, to serve Him with one consent. So at some point in the future, we're all going to be restored to one language. But it won't be under the globalistic control of man. It'll be under the reign of Jesus Christ. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise God. And so God's going to restore. And we got a glimpse of it at Pentecost, didn't we? And the day of Pentecost, everybody heard him speaking in their own language, you know. So we got a preview of coming attractions on the day of Pentecost. Okay, verse 2. Came to pass as they journeyed from the east, uh, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Oh, the plain of Shinar. Remember our study of Daniel? That was over a year ago, wasn't it? How many of you remember everything I taught you about Daniel? <laughs> don't feel bad. I don't remember anything I taught you about Daniel. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's go to, the, yeah, thank you, Willie. He, he read my mind. The plain of Shinar. Remember Daniel 1, verse 2? And it says that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand. Whose hand was it? Anybody remember the king of Babylon? Ne -ne 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 Nebuchadnezzar. It was on the tip of your tongue. Uh, in his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God and he carried them into where? Land of Shinar. Interesting. Same place that the Tower of Babel was, was erected. Same wicked city here. This city apart from God and to the house of his God. And, and I, I won't read the rest of it there. But they journeyed from the east and they found a plain. Now the word plain, it indicates a, a fruitful, well-watered area. Um, most Bible commentators believed this was probably the historical site of the Garden of Eden. And the rivers that are mentioned, uh, by the way, Babylon, does anybody know what modern, the modern country of Babylon is? Say it louder. Iraq, Iraq. Saddam Hussein actually, he, did, he, re he rebuilt a lot of uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, archaeological stuff. But, but anyway, it's just the modern day Iraq. And keep your eyes on the Middle East, folks, because the, the attention is going to shift again, once again, to the Middle East. Uh, History is going to repeat itself. Uh, Ecclesiastes 
Solomon says that the thing that has been is going to be again. So the Tower of Babel is not just a historical event, but it's also a prophetic event. It's going to happen uh, again. And they dwelt there in opposition to what God had told them to do. God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, be dispersed among the nations. But they said, no, we're going to huddle here. All right. Then we get to verse 3. And they said one to another, go to, let us. There's three things they're going to say, let us do. This is the city of man. <clears throat> they said, let us make brick. Now, the reason they made brick, and it's kind of an interesting idiom because brick is clay, right? And that's what we are. This is man's attempt to build a city apart from God. Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And the reason they did that was in hopes that it would last forever. Stones were not prevalent in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia is that ancient region of, of uh, uh, Babylon. Okay? Mesopotamia means between the rivers. That's what the name means, the Tigris and the Euphrates. And those are mentioned in Genesis 2 regarding the Garden of Eden, by the way. So, so anyway, but they said, let us uh, burn it through. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. They had uh, bitumen, which is basically asphalt. And that, that area is, is filled with it. Well, so far, so good. They're making bricks. <laughs> and they've got slime for mortar. Verse 4, they said, let us go to, let us build us a what? City. Now, building a city is not necessarily a bad thing. Matter of fact, God's got a city. It's coming down out of heaven. Abraham looked for it, had foundations, uh, whose builder and maker is God. Who was the first person in the Bible that built a city, though? Anybody remember? Before Nimrod. Cain. Remember what God had told Cain? God told Cain, he said, you're going to be a vagabond and a wanderer in the earth. So God had cursed him to wander through the earth. But Cain, in rebellion, said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to build a city. And he named it after his son, Enosh, or Enoch. Not the, not the godly Enoch. So uh, building a city carries with it sometimes a negative connotation. What's the next thing they wanted to build? Tower. Mm. Now, in the King James, it says, whose top... You may notice in italics it says may reach in the heaven. That means it's not in the original language. Literally in the heaven. And it's unfortunate because some people have had this idea that the people in Babel were so stupid that they thought that they could build a structure that would reach all the way out into outer space. You've seen the little Sunday school drawings probably where the kind of like a stairway to heaven. Yeah. Some of y'all got the Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin reference and some of you didn't, but... Uh, anyway, you, you, you just, they thought they could build into the atmosphere. Don't, don't be naive. That's a real condescending thing. But literally, they believed that this temple was the top of heaven. They believed that this... Um, let's go to the next slide, Willie. Tower. Okay? This is more like it. This is not an exact replica. It's not drawn to scale. This is an ancient, uh, they call it a ziggurat. There's a lot of those in uh, Iraq. When the first Gulf War uh, happened, the soldiers were, you know, they didn't know what to think about these things. Are those military outposts or what, what are they? 
But these are temples. And uh, this is what the Tower of Babel was. It was a, uh, a religious tower. It's based off astrology. Is it, this was the first, uh, this is the origin of Zodiac religion. So if you're a Christian and you're reading your horoscope to try to figure out you know, what your day is going to be like, you're not following God in this. That's pagan worship, okay? Now, Lori and I will eat Chinese food every once in a while. And when we do, we'll get a fortune cookie. And we like to read our fortunes and we like to laugh about them, you know. But to base your life on that kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's dabbling in things you don't need to dabble in. Because this is demonic in origin. And even though Satan's not mentioned here, you know, explicitly... He's lurking behind the scenes for sure, okay? He's, he's lurking behind the scenes for sure. But this is what the Tower of Babel likely looked like. It's a seven-level uh, tower is what a ziggurat would. And they had the different uh, astrological signs and stuff. And at the top, it was painted all different colors. And at the top, what they believed was a temple that where the gods dwelt. Babel in Babylon means gate of the gods or gate of God. <laughs> now, uh, God's going to have his own little wordplay on what Babel means. But they, here, they, here they proclaim, this is the gate of God. This city and this tower was built in rebellion to God. Now, the third thing they wanted to make in verse 4 was a name for themselves. Now, there's a play on words in the Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting better with it. The interesting thing in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for name is Shem, S-H-E-M, who is the, the godly son of Noah, okay? So there's a, there's a word play here that's not obvious in English, but they wanted to build a Shem for themselves. They wanted to build a name for themselves. And notice their motivation. Look at the end of verse 4. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So in other words, we don't want God to do to us what he said would happen if we didn't obey him. It's amazing to me that men instinctively know there's a God. They do. And even the uh, turn with me to Romans 1. Hold your place. Hold your place in Genesis. Go with me to Romans 1. Romans 1. Romans 1, I think that's where the United States of America is right now, is Romans chapter 1. It's not a, day, it's not a, a, a good place to be because it's, uh, it shows what happens when men turn away from God. Romans 1, verse 18. Notice the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, the King James says, who hold the truth. But the Greek word literally means to suppress the truth. To suppress the truth doesn't mean to deny it. It means we won't speak of it. We'll cancel it. Does that sound familiar? If we don't agree with it, we'll cancel you. We'll, we'll disable your Twitter account. We'll fact check you on Facebook. Now my question is, who fact checks the fact checkers on those things? You know, 
And we, we go through all of these things, but, but understand the origin of it. Okay, we're, we're still in Romans 1. Ver, look at verse 20. No, verse 19, I'm sorry. Because that which is made be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things from the creation of the world are what? Clearly seen. Being understood by his power, by even his eternal power and God, so that they are without excuse. Nobody will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know there was a God. There was not enough evidence for me. God's word says there's plenty of evidence. All you got to do is look in the sky. But here's what happens. Um, verse 21, it says they became vain in their imaginations. I'm summarizing this. And their foolish heart was darkened. People say, well, men are basically good. And if you just let man have his way, we'll have a utopia here on earth. No way, Jose. The Tower of Babel shows what happens when man is in charge. And that's why God doesn't want a one-world government under ungodly man's control. Because absolute power will corrupt absolutely each and every time. And this is why I hate to see America failing as a world power. You know, because we are the only nation on the planet that has ever been a benevolent world power. Anybody else that rises to power, they crush. Rome crushed. Babylon crushed. Persia crushed. Greece crushed. The Soviet Union crushes its people. China oppresses its people. We are the only country that seeks the good of the whole world. And to see its demise is heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking. Because God, I believe, like Ronald Reagan said, created this country to be a city set on a hill. We're to be a light to the nations. And I believe we can be again. You know, it's not too late for us, I hope. I hope not. But I pray, and, and if we can remain faithful to God's word, there can be a remnant people here in the United States of America. But here, here's what happens. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. They become educated out of their intelligence. And they change the glory of God into an image made like the corruptible man. Or if I could paraphrase it this way if you try to kick God out of the city you'll build a tower of Babel you want to remove God from all society what will emerge will be a tower of Babel and it's coming folks to a city near you to a country near you I'm sorry to say they change the glory of God verse 25 says who changed the truth of God into a lie uh, literally they exchanged you see if you decide you're not going to believe the truth, you've got to have something. And so uh, we don't want to believe that God created the world. So what do we got to believe? That we came from monkeys and amoebas. You know, from the goo to you by means of the zoo. Right? And I want to tell you what. What they've done. And they said, it was wonderful. We removed religion out of the schools. No, you didn't. You replaced one religion with another. Evolution is a religion. Because you have to have more faith than anybody I know to believe that garbage. It would be like a tornado swept through this room and a church was built out of the rubble. I mean, and I, I, I'm speaking not in, in true probability here, but I mean, it's just crazy. And the Tower of Babel, by the way, is a real problem for the evolutionist because there's no record of man chirping and barking uh, and then evolving into languages. Uh, how many of you know what philology is? Yeah, I didn't either until this week. No, I'm just kidding. I, I kind of knew it, but I forgot. A philo philology is the study of language. 
literature. So a philologist studies etymology. And even the brightest and most brilliant philologists, you can impress your friends. What did you learn in church today? Well, we learned about philology. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that hard. Philology. Let's all say it together. Philology. I have broadened your horizons today. You, You have. No extra charge for that. I didn't even plan to talk about philology. But even the philologists, not philosophers, but philologists, have come to the conclusion that all languages, and there's thousands of them on planet Earth, they all can be traced back to a single source. Imagine that. Imagine that. And you'll notice even some similarities. If, how many of you know more than one language? Maybe not fluent, okay, but you have some familiarity. And you'll begin to notice similarities across, you know, Italian sounds a lot like Spanish in some ways, and, and so on and so forth. But if you get it all back to the original, what you're going to find is the whole world was of one lip and one vocabulary. And it goes back to the Tower of Babel. Okay. So anyway, let's go back to Genesis. But here's what happens. If you refuse to worship God, you're going to worship something. Because God created us to worship. We were created that way. So they were afraid that they were going to be scattered upon the face of the earth. (laughs) Guess what happened? The fear of the wicked will come upon them, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. But verse 5, if you don't believe God has a sense of humor, you... You're under-reading it. Notice in verse 5, it says in Jehovah, the Lord did what? Came down. Now, don't get the idea that God is so old that he can't see what's going on and he needs his binoculars. But but here's here's the irony here. Here's the humor in the Bible. (laughs) Somebody says, well, these guys are building a tower into heaven. This is the gate of God. And God says, what? You got to be kidding me. The gate of God? What? Hey, guys, look at this. The gate of God. We got to come down here a little bit more. This is the gate of God? No, the Lord came down. They were building a tower to heaven. God says, you hadn't even come close. You built a sandcastle, buddy boy. Not a tower. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower. God sees everything. He knows everything. Which the children of men in Hebrew is um, Benai Hadam, sons of Adam. God says, here's what the sons of Adam are doing. They're always doing something crazy, aren't they? <laughs> we're, we're a crazy bunch, aren't we? Now, here's what you need to keep in mind. This tower was built... According to the research that I've done, probably less than 150 years from the flood. God's just wiped out the whole world with a deluge. And these guys are like, eh, I ain't worried about it. God said he'd never do it again. Every time we see a rainbow, it's love. God's just love, love, love. He, he just looks the other way. God's, God's not interested in what we're doing. We'll just build a city. We'll build a tower. And what we'll do, we'll make a name for ourselves. We'll make a shim for ourselves. Mm, big mistake. 
Big mistake. Big mistake. And God came down to see what the sons of men had done. Now, verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. And he says, This they begin to do. Is that what your Bible says? In other words, the Tower of Babel is just the beginning. Some people, they read this, and I've heard some of the Word of Faith preachers sometimes, and they say, see here, even God is impressed with man's potential. God knows that, that anything you put your mind to, you can do. Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, if man is following God, it's amazing what he can do. But if you try to build a city and a tower and to make your name for yourself and not include God at all, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be a big whopping mess full of evil and ungodliness and iniquity. Uh, let's go to the next slide, Willie. I've only got two more, so don't get nervous. <laughs> Genesis 6, verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every what? Imagination of his thoughts of his heart was only evil. Verse uh, Genesis uh, 8, 21. Uh, he says, the imagination of man's heart is what? Evil from his youth. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, what? Wicked. People say, and old Luke Bryan. Now, I like Luke Bryan. He wears his jeans a little bit too tight. But I like Luke Bryan. But, but he sings a song that I totally disagree with. He says, I believe most people are good. You heard that song on the radio? Some people are like, I don't nod my head because I just listen to gospel 24-7. That's okay. You're better off if you listen to gospel 24-7. I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. But, but you, you've, <laughs> you hypocrites, I know who you are. <laughs> but Luke said, I, I believe most people are good. No, the Bible teaches exactly the opposite. That if you give man enough rope, he's going to do something wicked. He's going to do something diabolical. And that's what's going to happen in the tribulation period. You're going to see the Tower of Babel, what, if it had been allowed to remain, what it's going to be like. Okay. So, he says, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined. That word imagined is, is key there. Because man's heart, his imaginations are what? Evil. And God says, if I don't stop it now, you don't want to know what's coming next. Okay, so now... In the previous verses, there's three times that the people in Babel, the gate of the gods, said, let us, let us, let us. And now God says, okay, boys. God says, let us go down. Is it plural in your Bible too? There's a Father and there's a Son and a Holy Spirit in there. Now, the rabbis believe that he's just talking to the angels here, but... I, those of us that believe in the Trinity, I believe we can see clear, clearly here that the Godhead is a, consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God says, let us, again, notice what he says, go down. Uh, let's go down. And there confound their language. The Hebrew word is balel. So it's a word play there. Babel and balel sound a lot alike. Let us go down there and balel their language. Because they believe that they're Babel, the gate of the gods. God says, you want to make a name for yourself, do you? 
I'll give you one. You think God's got a sense of humor? Oh, you better believe he does. He says, I'll give you one. That they may not understand one another's speech. Verse 8. So the Lord, notice, um, by the way, when these guys are, they've got this massive building program, they're announcing their goals. Notice we're not told anything about the building project. And I believe that's intentional here. It's because these people are trying to play God. When God created the world, he just did what? He just spoke it to existence. And so all we have here is their words. You know, I think they're trying to play God. But he says, let us go down. And the Bible says that the Lord scattered them. Is that what your Bible says? God did it. And they left off to build the city. Now the tower was finished. So they left off to build the city. Can you imagine what that day was like for them? Wouldn't you left to have been a fly on the wall? <laughs> Me and Anthony are working on the job site. And we've been talking about the Braves. <laughs> and we've been talking in English, and all of a sudden I say, Como estas? Mi amiga. <laughs> and Anthony knows a little bit of Spanish, and he says, Muy bien. <laughs> And I say, como tal And he knows a little bit of French, and he says, oui, oui. <laughs> and then I say, benahahim. And he says, I don't know Hebrew. <laughs> or he might. He might know it. Imagine what that was like. All of a sudden, the foreman, you know, he's like, all right, guys, start building over here. And then all of a sudden, he's speaking a language and nobody that's working can understand him. It's time to clock out, boys. <laughs> the project is over. And I would just have loved to have seen that. But, but obviously, within the, fam within the families, the languages were preserved so that they could understand each other. And they're scattered abroad, just like God had intended for them to do. So the flood was a destruction but the Tower of Babel, the judgment was a dispersion. But as I stated earlier, don't think of it just in terms of God's wrath and fury. Think of it in terms of God's mercy. God says, I've got to do this because if I don't, you're going to have hell on earth. So, verse 9. Thought you'd never get here, didn't you? And yet here you are. Therefore is the name. Isn't that what they wanted to build for themselves? Let's build us a city. Let's build us a tower. Let's build us a name, a shim. God said, okay, you want a name? I'll give you one. You won't be the gate of God. You'll be confusion. That's what Babel means. And even today, we use that term, don't we? You say, what are you babbling about? What are you babbling about? And they've even got an app now called Babel, right? How ironic is that? I think it's a sign of the times. I wouldn't build a new church over or anything, but this thing is interesting. Babel. God says, you want to make a name for yourself? I'll give you a name. Your name is confusion. From now on, anytime everybody reads about your story... They're not going to think, wow, these guys really did something great. 
they're going to look at it and say, you dummies, you thought, you thought that you could build a city, you could build a tower, you could have your own religious system and be God and just kick God out and just worship the devil. By the way, you only, there's only two options. You either worship Jesus or you're worshiping Satan. Islam is Satanism. Buddhism is Satanism. Mormonism is Satanism. On and on and on and on and on and on. Hinduism is Satanism. There are not many ways to God. There's not many options. There's two choices and one way. Either you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or you deny him and be lost. So let's bring it down to the practical level. Well, I'll tell you what. Go to this next slide, Willie. I'm just going to tease you on this. The book of Revelation tells us that Babylon is going to reappear. That's why I'm spending the time laying the foundation with you here. Because when we study the book of Revelation, and I'm going to get more into it, I really wanted to talk to you about Nimrod and the Babylonian religion, but you don't have all day. I do, but you don't, and I know you won't stay and listen. But Revelation 17:5, John the Revelator says, Upon her forehead was a name written... Mystery what? Babylon. The great. The mother. Interesting. Babylon is a mystery and a mother. I'm going to tease you with that. Okay. I wish I could go into more detail. Maybe Wednesday night. Maybe next Sunday. I don't know. Whatever the Lord wants to do. So let's bring it down to a practical level here though. I, I stopped in Genesis 11. I stopped at verse 9. But I just want to read verse 10, the first part of it. It's interesting that this story ends with a genealogy. Now I'm, a, I'm a nerd. Me and Sister Mary were joking about this earlier. And she said, well, uh, you know, to be a nerd is could be a sign of intelligence. I said, well, I can't be a nerd then. <laughs> but I can aspire to be a nerd. Okay? But I'm a nerd in the sense that I love genealogies. And that kind of, I love digging around and seeing what's in there. They wanted to build a name for themselves. And the world seemingly was, was hopeless. It, human nature is just, it, it's really sad. You know, God wipes out the whole world with a flood. And then less than 200 years later, we're trying to do the same thing all over again. If God had not scattered, that's exactly what would have happened. But they said, we want to make a name for ourselves. But man is not hopelessly lost. Man is not hopelessly lost because this thing ends with a, with a name of hope here. And the Bible says these are the generations of Shem. What does Shem mean? Name. And through Shem would come Terah, who would come Abraham, who would come Judah. You ever notice the book of Judges ends with, excuse me, the book of Ruth ends with a genealogy too? Strange. You got this love story, divine love story, and the book ends with a genealogy. Why? Because it goes from Judah and Perez, rather, to David. King David. The promised Messiah is coming. God is saying, even in these early chapters, He's coming. It's not hopeless. The name above all names, the King of Kings, he's coming. 
He's coming. And then when you get to that first book of the New Testament, and what does it open up with? This is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's, he's come. He was coming back in Genesis 11, but he's come. So I want to ask you this morning. I know where this nation's headed. We're following the system of Babylon. But what about us as individuals? Have you decided you're going to be the master of your own faith? Have you decided that you're going to live your life independent of God? Or maybe you're counting on your good works to save you. Or some false religion. Some man-made thing. God's standard is not 99%, folks. It's 100%. And there's only one man who ever lived a perfect life. His name's Jesus Christ. And one day, one day, the kingdoms of this world will be his kingdoms. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not Nimrod, not Antichrist, not whoever. Jesus Christ. And there's hope for you today. Maybe you've been building your tower. That's what the world's all about. I want to build, I want to build this legacy. You know, I want everybody to know my name. I want everybody to know what my contributions were. Uh, I read somewhere that George Whitfield, famous preacher, great revivalist, he said, when I die, let my name die with me. Oh, wow. But that's interesting that he's remembered for that. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't want to be remembered, but we remember him for not wanting his name remembered. And that God, God gives grace to the humble, right? And he exalts the humble. But um, it's interesting. Are you living your life to make a name for yourself? These celebrities and stuff, it's interesting to me too how the wealthiest people in the world, the ones who have the most unequal situation, the, the, the politicians who are career politicians, they're millionaires, every one of them. They don't care what the price of gas is because they're not driving around. they got somebody chauffeuring them. They preach against guns, and they're surrounded by armed guns all the time. But listen, your leaders don't care anything about what goes on with the common man. But it's interesting to me that career politicians, athletes, professional athletes, movie stars... And musicians are always trying to lecture us on mor morality and inequality. And they live the most unequal lifestyle of anybody. It's crazy. But listen, these guys spend their whole life to be famous. And then what happens to them? They're miserable. They're empty. They're, in, they're constantly in and out of rehab. They commit suicide because they're so unhappy. They, uh, they're miserable. Nothing can satisfy them. And if you seek satisfaction in this world... That's what's going to come for you too. You'll never find satisfaction in this world. And, but satisfaction is to be found in the person, in the name, above all names. Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and paid the price. We sang about it. The choir sang about it earlier. God raised a ransom. Jesus Christ paid the full price for not just a few of your sins, 
not just the ones you did yesterday or the ones you did 20 years ago, but every sin you would ever commit, Jesus paid the price for it. Think about that. When he was on that cross, he paid the penalty for every single one of your sins. And that means you don't have to go home with a guilty conscience today. I don't care what you've done. The grace of God says if you will come and confess your sin to God, that he will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. That's what he'll do. But we have to believe it with all of our hearts. And we confess it with our mouth. And we repent and believe the gospel. Would you stand? As this altar is going to be open for prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to lead you to faith in Christ. Maybe you're here today and, and you're a believer. But you've been wasting your time. You've, you've been building all the wrong stuff. It can happen. It can, it can happen in a minute. We can get out of balance with any area of our life. Maybe you're building a tower. And God says, let's get rid of this. Because it's not going anywhere good. God loves each person in this room with an everlasting love. Would you come just as you are?